Hello, and thank you everyone for joining us again for another episode of Vigilance for the End Times. Uh, thank you for joining us for episode number five. Our subject today is the spirit of adoption, spirit-led sons and daughters. Uh, I would first like to take a moment to kind of recap for the benefit of those who are first-time listeners joining us, and I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. Many of the podcasts will include testimonials of things that I have learned by walking in the Holy Spirit, specific experiences that I learned from, uh, because the kingdom is not in word only, but in power and in demonstration. So we must move beyond the theoretical to the actual experiential outworking of spiritual truths and concepts. Part of this will simply be learning to practice walking in the Spirit. Uh, That is something I'll be touching on in the next couple of episodes. Practice learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit And all of this requires an honest investment of an individual's time. It is not something anyone's going to learn by reading a book. It will only be learned by giving of ourselves over to the Holy Spirit's timetable and trusting that He wants to lead us, guide us, and teach us. Um, For example, Paul in 1 Corinthians was saying, you know, prophesy according to the measure of your faith. You learn as you do. And stepping out in faith and exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, no matter what the situation is, just being willing to be obedient and more than anything else, getting our minds off of ourselves and being willing to allow the Holy Spirit to use us to minister life to someone else, to be a blessing to someone else, because Moving in the Holy Spirit and moving in partnership with Him is not just about us. It is about being a blessing to the body, to your brothers, your sisters, to people that God may just bring across your path as a divine appointment. So it is key to having an open heart and a prayerful heart on a daily basis. Um, just as Jesus went, went beyond simple teaching where his disciples were concerned, he engaged them out in the real world, demonstrating the power and authority of the kingdom where they learned to participate with him. That's the way it will be with us and the Holy Spirit in the very same way. Just as there were no two situations alike as the disciples participated with Jesus, it will be the same way with the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us out of our comfort zones mentally, spiritually, and physically. So we need to be yielded and trusting continually. Um, One thing that I wanted to touch on uh, at some point is making the distinction between Walking in our own minds, our own mindset, our own intellect, what we think, what we feel, and walking in the Spirit. First um, Corinthians two, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen are 
a really key passage for me always has been, um, and I think it would be something that would bless you to uh, commit to memory and to really spend some time meditating on it. I'm just going to read it for you real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths framed by spiritual words. The natural man, the carnal man, the man of the our intellect, our human understanding, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So that is going to bring us to another subject at some point in time in the next few days on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Uh, because I can tell you from personal experience, living as a Christian believer for the first five years of my life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a completely different world than the one you will live in after you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you are experiencing 1 Corinthians 2, 12-14. Without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are largely functioning according to your own understanding, your own mind, your own intellect. You are trying to grasp and absorb and Walk out scripture in your own understanding. Um, you know it's the word of God. You're born again. You love God. But you are trying to walk out a supernatural life in your own power. Now, if anyone has an issue with that, please you know feel free to shoot me a line or something, but we will get to that at some point uh, in the next uh, few days. But to pick up where we um, we're going to start off concerning the spirit of adoption, spirit-led sons and daughters. In Romans 8, it says, "For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God." For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, or the spirit of slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That is Romans chapter 8. So according to Romans 8, we have two options. We can be led by the spirit of God or under the spirit of slavery. Now... (laughs) I'm I'm trying to take very great care to to go slow because I don't know uh, where my listeners are at spiritually. Everybody's at uh, a different place in their walk with the Lord, and um, that's one of the the things about a podcast that is difficult for me because I have a teacher's heart. Um, I want to make sure that I am ministering to the person's need. Uh, I used to teach in classroom settings when I was 
teaching uh, discipleship classes to men and Christian rehab centers. So I had a classroom full of guys that could raise their hand, ask me a question. I was always telling them, please do not worry about interrupting me. We're discussing the things of the spirit. If you need help, I'm here right now and I want to help. So I can't unfortunately do that with my wonderful listeners that are listening right now. And um, I've got to tell you, that's that's kind of distressing to me because I feel like I'm only doing half a job as uh, a spirit-filled teacher of the Word of God. Um, I'm not interested in just simply speaking and delivering spiritual truth that... It's kind of like out of my hands once I speak it and it goes out and my listeners are listening to the podcast uh, whenever they listen to it. Um, it's out of my hands. Now it's between you and the Holy Spirit to work that into your life. Um, it's it's like letting your kid go when they're riding the bike and you take your hands off and you just watch them and you hope they can keep on pedaling. Uh, that's kind of how I feel spiritually. Um I feel like I'm doing half a job um, because to me, a teacher like Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't just speak and teach his disciples after teaching them and speaking spiritual truths to them. He led them out into the real world to put those things into practice so they could absorb it by doing it. And that's the part that I don't get to walk out with you. So I want you to know that um, that is distressing for me. Um, I take that very seriously. Um, spiritual truth doesn't just sit in your head as facts in a filing cabinet in your brain. Um, spiritual truth is meant to be breathed out and lived out in your life. And that is part of the subject we're talking about today, the spirit of adoption and becoming uh, a spirit-led son or daughter. And the Greek word that translates as sons indicates becoming a mature son. So as we are led by the spirit, we are on the pathway to becoming a mature son or daughter. And because there's a scripture that says, to as many as received him, I think that's in the book of John, um, to as many as received him, he gave power to become the sons of God. That word power is exousia, it's authority, it's divine enablement and authority in one package. So spiritually you have the power to mature to mature as a son as a child of God. And that is what we are endeavoring to do as we explore this subject. Um now I also wanted to touch on one more crucial thing. Um And, and this is where walking these things out, the rubber meets the road. 
And again, I'm just going to read this one passage one more time, and please bear with me because it's really, really important, and I hope that all of my listeners will really spend some time uh, this weekend just meditating on this one passage. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 14. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. There's no struggle. There should, there's not supposed to be any struggle. Yes, there will be some struggle in the real world when it comes to trying to absorb these things spiritually, but on God's side of things, he is saying, I have given my spirit to you so that you may understand what I have freely and abundantly given you by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And where people like myself come in and others who teach the Word of God um, by the Holy Spirit, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Because we are striving to express spiritual truths in spiritual words. The the conflict comes when the natural man says, Oh, I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me. I'm, I'm reading the same verse, but it doesn't make sense. Because they're trying to absorb it with their natural mind. And the end result is they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, and I I apologize because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that um, we do need to focus on um, and probably in the next couple of sessions because without that, and I'm speaking from personal experience, not as a religious uh, creed, I'm speaking from real world experience spiritual experience, the first five years of my life after I was saved uh, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit were extremely difficult to say the least. Um, I was born again. I was saved in Germany in 1978. I had a vision of the Lord Jesus being crucified for me. Um, I've told my, uh, I've shared my, my testimony uh, and other places, but I will share that right now just to give the listeners, because I don't know who you are, um, to give my listeners a feel for what I'm trying to communicate. Um, because a lot of times when the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes up, a lot of religious red flags go off or a lot of defensive things go off. And it's because of A lot of it's because of just simple religious programming from denominations. A lot of it is just from simple misunderstanding. Uh, I've been a Christian for 43 years, and to be honest, there has not been a lot of really solid teaching on these types of subjects. And that is why we are in the predicament that we are with the body of Christ. So... um, I was raised at the Presbyterian Church from the time uh, I was in diapers. My whole family was Presbyterian. And um, at age 17, 
Um, <laughs> we'd gone through all the, the catechism classes that we had to go to on Saturday mornings, which were just boring, boring, boring. Um, and it was just bouncing off my head, but we had to go. So uh, at age 17, I ended up taking a trip to Germany and uh, was camping. And one night, uh, it was just, it was really cold and I couldn't sleep. And I was actually sleeping in or trying to sleep in a, in a van. And uh, there was a Bible on the dashboard. It wasn't mine. Um, but there was this prompting that just kind of quietly came to me to pick up the Bible and start reading. And uh, so I picked it up, started reading it. And it wasn't even scripture that I was reading. There was a, an introductory uh, section in the front of the Bible. And it was broken up into paragraphs. And the first paragraph talked about uh, creation. The second paragraph talked about the creation of man and then the fall of man and fall of Adam. Uh, and then the third paragraph was about uh, God's sending his only son to be our sacrifice. And the heading of the paragraph, it just said four words, he died for you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that from catechism class. And I went to turn the page and that prompting came back and said, read it again. So I turned the page back and when my eyes fell on those four words, he died for you. It was like every other word on the page just completely blurred out. And those four words just became huge blood red letters and at the same moment there was like a full color movie playing in my head uh with sound and everything and i saw roman soldiers in a torrential downpour of rain nailing jesus to the cross, hammering him to the cross in the downpouring rain. Their, their, their sandals were sloshing around in the mud. I mean, that's how real this was. And I'm, I'm sitting in this van. I didn't know what a vision was, never heard the word. Um, and I'm sitting there watching this take place. And I was in shock. And as I was watching the soldiers hammer Jesus to the cross, a voice boomed inside of my chest and said, you are as guilty as they were. And I just broke. I just snapped in two. I just started bawling and weeping uncontrollably. And all I could say was, oh my God, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I am so sorry. Please change me, God. And I don't remember anything that happened after that, but I remember waking up the next morning and I felt <laughs> completely different. I felt like I was in somebody else's skin. 
Like it wasn't even me. It was like, I know this is, I know I'm me, but I'm not the me that I was last night. What is that? And I literally, I did not know what that meant. But the next urge I had was to read from the book of John (laughs) to these teenage boys at the campsite and talk to them about Jesus, which I had never ever even had the thought of doing that before. And at some point in time, I came across uh, a Christian man at the campsite. And uh, because he had seen me, I guess, talking to these boys. And I explained to him what had happened to me the night before in the van. And he said, oh, well, you got born again. I didn't even know what being born again was. But I've never, ever doubted that God showed up in that van. The Holy Spirit prompted me to pick up the Bible and read it. And as I read, the Holy Spirit exploded those words into my spirit and into my being. And then gave me a vision of God's only son being crucified for me which I had learned about in Presbyterian Church, but it was head knowledge. Didn't do me any good because it was dead head knowledge. If it's in your head, it's dead, okay? And all of a sudden, it was spiritual reality. And then the voice of God putting the nail in my coffin and saying, yes, you are as guilty as the soldiers were. Now we have... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the van with me, confronting me and dealing with me in my spirit, bypassing my natural brain because I had a head full of Presbyterian church knowledge, but it was just dead wood. So when you read this passage this week from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just think about my testimony and how that relates to this passage because spiritual truth will never come through your brain and through your mind. It will only come as the Holy Spirit causes it to explode in your spirit And then all of a sudden, oh my God, I've read that verse a thousand times. Oh my gosh, that's what it means. Um, reading in the book of Acts, you will see so many occasions where what the disciples and apostles did or didn't do was directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't physically there. He couldn't, Jesus was physically with them, but he said, when I go, the Father will send the promise of the Spirit. He's with you now through me, but he will be in you. That is why Jesus said to them before he left, after he was risen from the dead, he said, now tarry in Jerusalem, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the spirit from my father, and you will be endued with power. Don't go anywhere Don't go off half-cocked. Wait for my spirit to come upon you. There is no living 
this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Doesn't work, will never work. So this is where we have to humble our minds. And like Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? I spent five years of my Christian life trying to live it out of my heart and my mind. I loved God with everything in me. I knew I'd been born again in Germany. There was no arguing that or doubting that. But yet something vital was missing. I still struggled with I struggled with depression. I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with panic attacks. Um, going to work was excruciating every day because I had so much anxiety being around people that it was like it was like death. I I dreaded having to go to my job. And in April of 83, I I had gone through a brutal winter in 1982. I was like in this wilderness. I did not know what was wrong with me. And I cried out to God with every fiber of my being. I said, God, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm your child but something is wrong with this picture. I am missing something big time. I go to work. There's unbelievers with more joy than me, and I'm supposed to be a Christian. How can I talk to them about you? And I I don't have anything to give to them. That's exactly what I told them. I have nothing to give to them. And I said, God, please, you got to show me. You've got to show me what the answer is. And the next thing I know, every time I'm turning on Christian radio or going into a Christian bookstore, I'm seeing the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing books on the Holy Spirit. The guy on the radio is talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, okay, God, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> okay, I got the I got the message. It's got to do with the Holy Spirit. Got it. But I still had some hang-ups. Because I'd hung around some Baptist people who really were not friendly with the Holy Spirit. They were like, don't go near people that talk like that. Don't go near people that talk about it. They're really weird. I had to humble myself. And when I had had enough of being in this winter wonderland, I um, I said, okay, God, you know, what's what do I do? And... I came across the verse that I just mentioned a few minutes ago from the book of Luke, where Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And it, that verse came alive to me. It became life. And I said, Father God, you know what? I'm humbling myself right here and right now. I have never asked you for the Holy Spirit, but I need you to do something in me. And if the Holy Spirit is what you want me to have, he's the gift you want to give me. I'm humbling myself. I'm humbling my mind and I'm saying, please bless me with this gift. And April of 1983, a very humble spirited 
man of God, a deacon at a, a church in Jacksonville. I went to him. Uh, he had previously talked to me about the subject. I whipped out my Baptist swords and tried to duel with him, but he wasn't going to fight with me because, you know what? He he had a gentle, humble heart. He wasn't trying to argue with me. He's like, if if you know when you're ready, God will will deal with you. God will God will you know speak to you when it's time. Maybe it's not time right now. <laughs> I was very contentious, uh, but at that point, I was like, no, no. I, I I said, brother, <laughs> you were right, and I was wrong. Please pray for me to receive the Holy Spirit. And this young guy who was full of panic attacks every day before going to work, and when I was at work, I didn't think about this, when I was at work, I had to take bathroom breaks throughout the day just to go into the men's room and sit and read my little pocket New Testament for a few minutes just to calm my mind down. I would sit in the stall and read Psalms till my mind got under control and then I'd go back to work. I did that every single day for like three years. The next week, I walked to work every day. And actually, my first day walking to work after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I walked the entire 25-minute walk singing out loud in tongues all the way. I'm not something an introverted boy normally does. but And I was not self-conscious in the least. The more I did it, the freer I felt. That's why the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Holy Spirit's not interested in having theological discussions with us. He's interested in parting to us his life. So, yes, I have uh, obviously greatly digressed from my notes, but you know what? That's okay. I am hoping that uh, what I said was speaking to someone and ministering to someone. Very much so. Um, what I wanted to share, and and this is, again, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes in. Um, and this is something I'd like all of you to give me your feedback on during the week, um, how this, what I'm about to say, um, ministers to you. I'd like to actually encourage you, uh, if you haven't ever done it before, keep a journal to write down what you're getting from these podcasts and how the Holy Spirit is bringing it to life in your situations. Now, something that I want to share that will hopefully change for the better, how you approach the Word of God, how you come to the Word of God, is uh, asking yourself, what is your what is our mindset based on? Now, here's what I mean. Uh, the letters of the New Testament were exactly that. They were letters. They didn't have numbered chapters and numbered verses so that people could intellectually dissect 
the different letters of the New Testament like we're analyzing them under a microscope. They were actual letters. The apostles were not writing in a seminary behind a desk. Paul and Peter and John were writing from the front lines of a spiritual battlefield. In fact, uh, Paul the Apostle himself said, To this very hour we hunger and thirst and are naked and have no dwelling place of our own. It's like, you know, picture in your mind the movie Saving Private Ryan, and you're on the front lines trying to write letters of encouragement to your fellow soldiers in the other foxholes. That is your New Testament that you hold in your hand. That was written by apostles. That was their title, but their lives were in jeopardy. Paul said, Our lives are in danger every moment. We're hunted, we're pursued. The way uh, John wrote in in, uh, Revelation, he said, I'm your brother in tribulation. I mean, these were not men of God in, you know, crystal cathedrals or something. These were men whose lives were hanging in the balance constantly. So, and I'm speaking to so many of you right now. You're in your own spiritual foxholes right now facing different battles on enemy lines. And part of my job, as God has designed it, is to do my part as best as I can spiritually to help you have clear communication lines with the head of command, the Holy Spirit. Because out here on the spiritual battlefield, guys, His voice is all we've got. And if that communication gets cut off, we're done. The Sunday school chitter-chatter won't cut it. We we have to have clear lines of spiritual communication from the Spirit of Truth. He was sent to lead us and guide us into all truth. He was sent to be our guide, our comforter. Um, I came across a verse in... um, and Proverbs, I believe, and part of it was that uh, it was saying, God is the one who keeps watch over our souls. So we serve and love a God who is ever vigilant over each and every one of us. Part of my job, as I see it, and as I see it in the Spirit, and as I feel it, <laughs> Um, part of my job is to see to it that those who are feeling cut off from the ranks and isolated do not lose heart. Um, especially with what's gone on the last 18 months or so. Um, online communication with other believers is probably at a higher rate than it's ever been. Um... And, and part of my desire is to, in every way I can, minister to my brothers and sisters who are experiencing that isolation, but not feeling cut off. And able to be ministered to by the Holy Spirit 
in whatever way I can help, in whatever way I can facilitate. Um, And it's just... To me, the Word of God has always been... I've, I've never read it like chapter and verse type of style before. Um, to me, the New Testament letters were heartfelt, personal, spirit-inspired letters of Paul to all the churches. They were, they were his children, and he was their spiritual father. Um, they weren't sitting down at a study hall in a seminary dissecting his letters that he wrote to see what he meant doctrinally. This was spiritual life that their spiritual father was trying to impart to them. To the degree, now this is something that I, I know it may sound very elementary, but I promise you, if it's not, if it has not been your mindset so far, I promise you, this will transform your spiritual life to the degree that we do not approach the Word of God as a living Word from the heart of God Himself. To that degree, we rob ourselves of its life giving power. It is a personal word from a God who wants to dwell with men. At the end of Revelation, it says, God's dwelling place is now with man. That is always, that has always been the plan from the beginning in Genesis. He walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. This world started out with God walking with man on the earth. That's where it's going to finish up. From Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God is a whole, complete, living thing. It is an extension of the very heart and life and nature of God Himself. And to the degree that we actually comprehend that and truly receive that into our hearts, to that degree, to that degree, we will walk in the life and nature of God As the Apostle Peter said, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, that through these he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. It's not about getting a seminary degree. It's about partaking of the divine nature. Jesus said, they didn't want to even hear it because they're like, oh, this is too hard a saying. It's grossing us out. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Peter just said that in a different way. It's through his promises that we become partakers of the divine nature. It's knowing when you open your Bible. That is not just letters on paper. But again, and I apologize for my listeners. Sometimes I ramble a little bit. But 
it all comes back to one dynamic that we simply cannot unplug from the word of God. We cannot disconnect it from the Bible. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the active, the active presence of the Holy Spirit in our spirit, in our being every single day. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. It's a reality. Um, in the book of Acts, I'm going to try to turn to this really quick. I really and truly appreciate your patience as you give me a moment to look this up. And as I'm looking, I'm gonna, I'm going to keep talking because I don't want this to cut out on me. Um, it's in the book of Acts, and I'm I'm having difficulty finding. But anyway, you guys look for it in the book of Acts. Peter's on a rooftop, and he has vision. And the vision is of a scroll, and the scroll unfolds, and there's all these unclean animals on it. And remember now. We're talking about a Jewish man, okay? The Jews, of course, as you know, had a strict diet. Um, they could not eat anything unclean. And even when they got born again, they were still Jews. They still lived by their Jewishness. And Peter's like, no, no. There was a voice that came to Peter in the vision and said, kill and eat, kill and eat. And he's like, no, Lord, I've never touched anything unclean. God was trying to get Peter ready. He was trying to confront Peter's inbred Jewishness because he had a mission for him. Now, remember Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. In other words, you're not going to just stay here in Jerusalem. You got to go out there where those dirty Gentiles are. Remember Jesus, when the woman um, came to him, he was sitting at a table eating with some guy and she came to him and said, Master, my daughter's sick. And Jesus refused to talk to her. And then he finally said, it is not right to give the children's bread to dogs. That is is how they viewed Gentiles. We really need to understand something here. The Jewish mindset was that they could not even eat in your house without becoming ceremonially unclean. So when Peter finally comes to a place of humility before God, he goes to the house of Cornelius, who was a devout man, but he was a Gentile. And God's like, I want you to go preach the gospel to him. Now, the mindset Peter had, and I have a reason for dwelling on this point. The mindset that Peter had, again, was so hardcore that God had to give him a vision just to shake him loose a little bit from their inbred prejudice against Gentiles. And he goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius gathers his family around him. Peter starts preaching the gospel to him. 
And it says, As Peter was yet speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his household, and they began to speak in tongues and praise God. And Peter basically said, Oh my gosh, God has chosen them because he's given them the same Holy Spirit that he gave to us. Now, this is from an apostle. He had to go back to the council of other other apostles because Paul was not an apostle at this point. He had to go back to James and John and all the rest and say, look, you guys, (laughs) all right, I know you're having a problem with the fact that I went to a Gentile man's house because it created a huge uproar. Read that first part of uh, the book of Acts. It's like in the first few chapters. Um, it caused, it almost caused a huge division. I mean, my wife was East Indian, and I will tell you that traditional East Indian people, they do not like white people. They think we are dirty. They think we're dogs. Literally, they think we are filthy animals. I'm not just making that up. My wife was East Indian. Um, I went to the houses of many of her family members and friends, and I had a lot of racist things said about me behind my back in her language uh, that she understood, and it broke her heart. Uh, that they would treat me in such a racist way that they would say the horrible things they said. So I'm speaking from very real-world experience. Now, stop and consider, you and me, all of you people listening to this podcast, none of you are Jewish, probably. So we are not Jewish, which makes us Gentiles. We would not be believers today if the apostles at the Jerusalem council had said nope Peter nope sorry we're we don't we don't accept that nope we are not going to the dirty dog Gentiles with this gospel the only thing that broke their inbred prejudicial and and it was a religious prejudice You have to understand, they believed that if they set foot in a Gentile's house, they would become unclean to God, that it would sever their connection with God, and they would become unclean. And they were not going to sever their connection with God to come into your house. The only thing that broke that was when the Holy Spirit came on Cornelius and his Gentile household and they began praising God in tongues and glorifying God in tongues. So right there, that puts the baptism of the Holy Spirit front and center of God's church. It's his church. He's the one who birthed it in the book of Acts. He's the one that exploded it into the Gentile world through Cornelius's household. So our religious minds, if there's a religious mindset out there that has a problem with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, take it up with the Apostle Peter because he didn't have a problem with it. In fact, that was God's badge. It was was God's seal. It was actually God's seal upon the Gentiles. It was God's way of saying, 
I have accepted them because I've poured out my spirit on them. And this is how you will know it because they heard it. And it is, it is absolutely paramount that we get back to the reality that it is God's church. It's God's church. We're his children and we're in daddy's house and daddy makes the rules in daddy's house. Not the kids, not the children. So if the daddy says, this is my hand, this is my doing. Yes, sir. You're absolutely, yes, sir. Yes, father. Yes. That is all we can say. And I had... um, I had some dreams a long time ago, back in the uh, the early 1990s. And in the dreams, I wasn't married at the time in real life, but in my dreams, um, my wife and I were going to Jerusalem to to do a work with the church in the dreams God was showing me that my wife and I would be used to bring the church back to its original spiritual roots now I have never known what that meant until now when I came across that passage in the book of Acts um because being a believer here in the West, we are so inundated with so much religious mental programming. Um, there is a lot, brothers and sisters, that we have to unlearn. We have a lot of religious programming baggage in our heads that we must allow the Holy Spirit to flush out of our minds and be renewed, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And be renewed by the washing of the water of the word. If it does not line up with the whole tone and tenor of spirit inbreathed scripture, it's time to flush it. And the hour is late, and the hour is profoundly serious. So we don't really have time to whine a little bit here and there and say, oh, well, I really, you know, that's what my pastor always said, and that's what the church always taught me. You know what? You better kick it to the curb. Because survival, spiritual survival going forward is going to mean we are on our faces humble before our Heavenly Father, letting Him set the rules, letting the Holy Spirit change our mindsets. We have got to become like little children. Jesus said, unless you become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. This is not about holding on to anything of this earth or religious programming that has to do with anything here. We have got to understand that we are in a very serious transitory time right now. And we need to be like those of whom it was written. 
we did not receive all of the promises. This is talking about those in Hebrews 11. But we saw the promises from afar off. We are looking for a heavenly city. And like Paul said, we lay aside every weight, every weight to run this race. We are moving in one direction, my precious family of God. We're moving in one direction. That is toward the heavenly city. You cannot afford to look to the right or to the left. You have got to keep your eyes looking toward the heavenly city. Every thought that does not line up with that, ditch it, flush it. Jesus was very radical. He was like, man, if your hand offends you, cut it off. This is not the time to play patty cake with any little church teachings that differ with the Word of God. And I really believe with all of my heart right now is the time to raise our hands to heaven and say, Holy Spirit, disciple me. Holy Spirit, right here where I am. I, I'm, I'm in a city or a town where all lockdowns and we can't go out, we can't do this and that. You have a prayer chapel in your own home. And all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, disciple me, teach me. Come into my home. Fill my home with your presence and disciple me. Disciple me. Teach me. You're the spirit of truth. Lead me and guide me into all truth. Jesus said he will show you things to come. Prepare my heart, Holy Spirit, for what's to come. Show me what to do. We, we've got to get such a intense personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because the words that I'm speaking out of my mouth, I mean... You're having to absorb them with your, your mind to a greater or lesser degree. But the Holy Spirit, He can bypass all of that. Sometimes I lie in bed at night and I'll be meditating on a verse. And then all of a sudden, there's like five or six verses following along right behind it. And I'm like laying there. Like Part of me is like, you know, I really laid down, Lord, because I wanted to go to sleep. But now you're, you know, you're jazzing me up with all these verses that are coming to life and I'll get up and I'll make some notes and I'll go back to bed and I'll still be meditating on that one verse or thinking and another verse will come along and I'll get back up and write that one down. The Holy Spirit wants His Word to walk with you and talk with you every single day and to be a living thing to you. Um... And I know I'm going on almost an hour now. I apologize. I did not mean to ramble so much. Um, I, went, I went a lot off my notes, but uh, that's okay. I can come back to them next time. Um, but the whole topic today was as those who have received the spirit of adoption, we want to be led onward into spiritual maturity and that will only be accomplished by following the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit and learning how to recognize those promptings they could be they're usually very subtle 
the the Holy Spirit's not going to come along and hit you over the head with a wiffle bat to get you to do anything. You're going to feel like little urges or promptings to do something or go somewhere or say something to somebody that you wouldn't normally say something to. The Holy Spirit's promptings are usually not what your flesh wants to do. And that's another way you can know it's Him. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not interested in telling you to go hang out at Dunkin' Donuts and stuff your face. Uh, he will probably say something like, Hey, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing so-and-so to your mind today because I need you to pray for him. Spend some time praying for so-and-so. Um, like that testimony I shared a, a week or two ago about the Holy Spirit interrupting my, my nice rocking chair session on the back porch and saying, hey, hey, go go for a walk. And I end up right in the middle of a situation where a woman's little child stopped breathing. So this is serious stuff. Again, I apologize because this feels so very one-sided. I'm not used to uh, to talking to people I can't see. I know I've got a lot of people that are following me on Facebook. Very special friends. I love all of you very much and I appreciate you listening um, but please please uh, reach out to me via messenger or any other way you can just to let me know personally um, what you think about the last few podcasts how the Lord's ministering to you what he's speaking to you any questions that you have, I don't want to just deliver what I feel God putting in my heart and not ministering to you any further. So um, please don't be bashful. Don't be shy. In the name of Jesus, I set you free from the spirit of bashfulness and shyness. Reach out, write me, ask me questions. Um, but in the name of Jesus, I bless every one of my listeners right now. And in the name of Jesus, Father God, I just lift each and every one of them up to you right now. I ask you to minister to them so powerfully this week. I ask you to cause your word to just explode into their lives. I ask you to just cause your Holy Spirit to come upon them in such a powerful way. I know there's people dealing with bondages. There's people dealing with oppression uh, I had somebody writing to me the other day that's dealing with a lot of mental and emotional torment. Um, Father God, those that are needing deliverance that can only be done by the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you to make a way for them to be delivered from spirits of oppression, spirits of harassment, spirits of confusion, spirits of loneliness, I ask you to just set them free by the power of the Holy Spirit. I ask you to just surround them with a spirit of acceptance 
in the beloved, that they are they are accepted in the beloved. It says in Ephesians, we are accepted in the beloved. Cause them to know that as a spiritual reality this week, that you are ever present. David said in Psalm 139, there's nowhere I can go from your presence. If I go into the depths, you are there. If I go into the highest heavens, you are there. There is nowhere where your Holy Spirit is not, Father God. So I just ask 